This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is NFL Nuts. Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, Kirk Minahan, Rich Keefe, and Christian Fourier. The ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Nuts. Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. Kirk Minahan back this week on the Not Sunday podcast. Kirk, you know, you suggested Chris Curtis to me last week, and i got to be honest with you, he didn't really come through. I didn't suggest Chris. You, you texted me and said Curtis is coming on. I said, oh, all right, I've been bummed for Chris Curtis. Uh, okay. You told me on a prior episode that he, you know, he has some good backstories on Brady, considering he talks to him first. I did not listen to the, he was bad, Curtis was bad. Yeah, he, he you know, said I talked to him for five seconds. You're really downplaying this. That's all I got. That was all. You didn't talk about anything else. Well, we talked. We talked about the state of the show, which was you know halfway oh. halfway decent. But I thought you'd bring a little bit more to the table. At least pretend that he talks to Brady a little bit. Isn't that ultimately your fault as the interviewer? Do you take any blame for that? I mean, I can only ask a man so many questions, but. Well, okay, that's your style. I have a different way, but that's fine. We got on to you know a better topic. The show. The show definitely had more life. He he had a lot more to say about that. Good, excellent. I did not hear it yet. I've not heard any of these uh, podcasts yet. I will start listening soon. All right. This week, though, I did listen to the Tom Brady interview. I think you mm-hmm. missed Jerry. You think so? I yes, you did. I had at what I, point? I, I had enough. I mean, I give you credit for thinking back to 2009 and, and all those plays on fourth down. You, you knew pretty impressive, you, right? You knew more than Tom. I'll, I'll give you that. But I mean, who gets who gets, I, people say I don't know anything about sports. I don't talk. Who else would know that? Nobody. Nobody. I, how did you know that? I just remember things. I have a memory. I have a good memory. I was that was I was impressed. I think even Tom. No alcohol, Ryan. No alcohol for uh, you know. Fourteen years will do that. That's right. Was it different for you without Jerry there? Did do you think Mutt did a good job? No, I think Mutt did a lousy job. Uh, but you know, he's not he's not a skilled interviewer, nor is he a skilled talk show host. So I think when you go in with somebody who's there primarily to be a punching bag and to have people you know laugh at them and make them take tests, sometimes you're going to take a hit. And you know, he asked a question during the Brady interview about do he and Belichick and the team talk about how they're in the heads of the other team. It was the stupidest fucking question in the history of interviews ever, I think. You know I, what I'm talking I about? Yes, no, I remember. I, I, I kind of shrugged Terrible. my shoulders when he asked it. And w- Was it true? Did you really voice in the Curtis to grab the sound before he even finished the question? I, I, that is true. I can confirm that. In the middle of the question, because I've done so many shows with Mutt for about 10 years now, you know, probably like 500 shows with Mutt. I know... And I've done this too. You do an interview, and you don't, especially when you're doing the show like our show now, right? So, <clears throat> so 
I think Mutt thinks the, the the rhythm will be Kirk asks two questions, I ask a question. Kirk, you know what I mean? Because it's my show. Right. And I went and I asked a question, and I kind of gave you know, Mutt the point toward the end of the Brady answer, and I could tell Mutt had no question whatsoever. So you could hear him trying to formulate a question while he was asking the question. I've done this uh, many times myself, and what you get is a question like that. That You're lucky he has Brady on, and Brady's just like, yeah, you know, he'll give you, he'll give you the same answer anyway. Right. But I'm sure Brady was thinking, who the fuck is this idiot? What is this question? Is there a point when Brady goes on one of those long answers that you know it's not really a good answer, but he just keeps talking and that you, you know, ever want to jump in and just get another question and, and on to another topic? Because it seems like sometimes he gets going. No, not, not Monday, because it was after a night game. I was tired, so it's actually kind of nice. It's like for me like that, you know, I could just zone out for a few minutes and not even pay attention. But in general, do you, get, do you ever get a sense that like, hey, he's going way too long in this, we only have, you know, 15, 20 minutes? Yeah, I get, no, because we, because you know, there's really no time limit with Brady. He's never really. He'll tell Curtis like, "I only get 15 minutes." But once he comes on with us, he'll go as long as we want. Um, the thing about Brady that I learned early on, this is what my fifth year doing it on the show, like year two or three, I realized he just talks a lot. And you know, my instinct, as you know, if you listen to the show, if you talk to me, is I want to jump in if I think it's getting boring. And sometimes I do that to a fault. With Brady, I'm, I realize you just have to wait till he's actually done talking. Just let him talk it out. Mm. Switching gears, let's get to another guy you've interviewed, Dave Portnoy. He's been in the news a lot this past week or so with the Barstool thing. I kind of, I'm, I'm a Barstool guy. I really like the site. I like what they do. I like them trying to expand. And I, I mean, I. I don't understand what ESPN is doing. I mean, I, it's hard to have an argument about this. But the one thing I do come back to a little bit is I don't think Dave helped himself last week in the aftermath of, of what happened. Do you sort of agree? With us or on social media? Just in general. It, it could be with you because he just well, seemed, he seemed to double down on, on his ponder comments. And I think that... I think he has, but, 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 Brian, I think he has to. I don't, I don't think he can play... If he wants to placate the Barstool crowd, I think playing the ESPN game and making them happy, you lose your credibility with Barstool. This is part of the deal when you know you get in bed with ESPN. These situations are going to happen, and I think he actually comes out okay with this. Like, I mean, I think losing that show at 1 a.m. once a week on ESPN2 is worth it times 20 if you get to have another battle with ESPN. As we're talking right now, there's something else going on with this Jen Sturger, yep. and they're looking this up, and it's going left and right. ESPN looks worse. There's a chance this will blow up by the time this even goes up. I think it's. I think it was worth it times fifty for Portnoy to now position ESPN as the bad guy. You can never go wrong uh, fighting with ESPN. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what I was going to come back to. I, I tried to convince myself yesterday that he was a little bit in the wrong, but then you just see all the stuff that's coming out about you know Jen Sturger and all her stuff about ESPN, and in, in the end, everyone siding with Barstool. I'm sure he's selling much of merchandise from this. I'm sure he's getting more website traffic. So, like you said, I, I think Tomasi brought up this point this morning on the show that fighting with Barstool, fighting with ESPN, is probably the best thing for Barstool. It's just part of who they are. I mean, I think it's been a really big part of our show's success, too, is all our battles with ESPN. I mean, we've sort of taken the Boston side against ESPN, and, and, you, and people like that. First of all, we do it because it's genuine. I'm frustrated when, um, when the Jamel Hills and the uh, Lamani Joneses and, and all these people go after uh, Boston, just, just blanket the racist, the racist, the racist. Uh, but then you could pick through the timelines, like this Sarah Spain girl, and I mean, they're, you know, she's sitting there wagging her finger at, at Jen Serger in the past, and she's a fraud. I mean, ESPN is loaded with frauds. That's the beauty of it. You know, if, if they weren't so fraudulent, if they weren't so happy to lead the charge when they've got all these secrets underneath, they'd be all right, but they are complete frauds on this one. 
all of them too. And I, I think that the yeah. stuff it's just going to expose more and more people. I mean, you hear the backstory of how you know, how, you know, say Chris Berman was a bad guy at some times. Like there, there, there's stuff on all these people that people just don't know about, and it, and it's people like you know Portnoy and the Barstool crowd that expose them. And so if you're ESPN and you're John Skipper. You kind of knew this was coming. It just seems like Skipper has no idea what he's doing. I mean, he thought he was doing himself a solid yesterday by getting out of their partnership. And to be honest with you, he probably made it worse. There's no doubt he made it worse. We had the Portnoy on today. Portnoy said he had heard that ninety-five uh, percent talent. Well, only that, but some female talent were uh, threatening to walk out if they kept the show on. And it's like you want to say to these people, whether it's Sam Ponder or whatever, like you've had your platform. You said what you want. You're really going to walk out. You're going to walk out of ESPN because uh, part of my take, who, who basically interview like Peter King and Rachel Nichols, I mean, because they're on at 1 a.m. on a, like, there's no room for that too. I mean, I, you know, but you'll defend Jamel Hill. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. Are you a Barstool guy? Do you go to the site often? Do you listen to any of the podcasts? I listen to some of them. Um, Which ones? I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't physically. I listen to part of my take a little bit, yeah. And I listen to some of the Carabas stuff. I'm not a huge listener to their their podcasts, Uh, but you know, I I like Portnoy a lot. You know, we have a good relationship with him, and I like Jared. I have a good relationship with him, and and part of my take guys uh, are good guys too. But you know, I don't physically go to Barstool Sports anymore. I I do what everybody else does. I follow him on Twitter, and And if you see a story you like, you click on it. Yeah, I mean, am I am I like this massive stoolie? No, not really. Do I like Barstool? Yeah. Do I appreciate what they do? Yeah, do I think that ESPN has fucked us up 50 times over? Yeah. And I don't know, you know, Skipper's, uh, Skipper is like, he has no idea. He doesn't know what Barstool is, I'm sure. There are people, 50 people below Skipper, who must have known that they're walking into the shitstorm internally, and then if they decide to cancel the show, they're walking to another shitstorm. They've pleased nobody. I mean, nobody thinks that ESPN did this because, you know, they really felt morally offended by Barstool. A week ago, they're promoting a show called Barstool. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, Again, it's a company that, that moved a guy named Robert Lee away from announcing a game because it was because it was the same name as a kid. I mean, they just they have no no clue what they're doing. Yeah, Portnoy brought this up uh, with you guys today. I think the the back mm-hmm. to the EEI thing when he, yeah. he he was on and you know he made the comments about Brady's kid. Let's put yep. your. Would you have said something if you were working full time on the morning show at the time and stuck well, up for Portnoy? How would you have felt well, in that sense? Well, Ryan, that night, that night I was on with Mikey Adams. That night after Glenn did his show, that's how long ago it was. I was doing nights with Mikey a couple of times a week. God bless and you. I said then what I said then what I've told Portnoy is that you know I wouldn't have personally done what Portnoy did with those pictures, but you know I defended them. I said you know is you know it's fine. He has a right to do it. I wouldn't do it. But I sure as hell wouldn't have said, you can't come on the radio anymore. You know, I would have said, you're coming on tomorrow, and we're going to talk about it. You're going to respond to Ordway. Uh, you're going to take calls. You're going to fight with these callers who disagree. And the people who agree, we're going to talk about it because it was the biggest story in the city. It's scary and not surprising once you get in the middle of it to know that the management oftentimes wants to run away from the best story because they think it's safe. And meanwhile, once you do it, just like with, with Portnoy and ESPN, when Wolfie did this with, uh, with Portnoy, he just walked into another shitstorm and hurt the Portnoy-EEI relationship at a time where you could have used Barstool, and we were able to get Portnoy back after years. But, you know, you, you, you don't realize, and again, because you're older, I think, some of these guys, the loyalty among these younger people with Barstool. By fucking over Portnoy, you're telling all those people, you know, fuck off. Terrible decision. Absolutely awful decision. Should we give you credit for getting uh, Portnoy back on the EEI airwaves? 
No. Um, Who deserves that credit? I, I'm trying to think. I mean, Jerry, and Portnoy says this, I think one of the reasons he still comes on with us, is Jerry reached out to Portnoy and Jerry defended Portnoy on the air immediately. And, you know, this is where Jerry's great. And Jerry said this is a bad decision. This is a gutless decision. Whether you agree or disagree with Portnoy, you should be on the air today talking about this. I didn't know Jerry uh, very well back then. I'm sure it drove him crazy. Um, I can only imagine it would have driven me crazy. So I think that Portnoy has some loyalty to that. And, I, you know, I, we have had Portnoy on, a, you know, during Deflategate we had him on. We had him on pretty early on during this process with the new show. I don't know who reached out first. It might even be Curtis who had some connection. I don't know that, but I know Portnoy's been loyal to Jerry. And, you know, I mean, I had Portnoy on my first podcast. And, you know, it was number one on iTunes because of Portnoy. I mean, so we, we definitely have uh, uh, a lot of loyalty toward him. But, yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy uh, that that was allowed to happen. But, you know, there's a lot of stupid shit done back in those days at EEI. I mean, that's where we got ourselves into the – the shitty position they got in, which wound up ironically helping me, I could come in and save the fucking place. Do you think that's part of it? They just sort of didn't really realize how important younger, you know, listeners yes. were. And, and... Of course, I mean, yeah, yes, and I think, and I, but I also think, and we're dealing this with with stuff like this every day. I mean, Gary and I are dealing with this as we speak. Is a lot of times uh, these people are governed by fear. They are governed by what's the worst thing that could happen, as opposed to saying, as opposed to saying. Let's have an honest discussion about this, uh, you know, with plenty of context. We'll talk about everything. We'll talk about, in this case, we'll talk about the pictures. We'll talk about uh, how you feel about this. We'll talk about, let's get some callers in here. Let's get some parents in here. Let's get some people who really love Barstool in here. Let's get Ordway on the phone. Let's get Jason Wolf in here and have the conversation. Why are we doing this? Why is this happening? As opposed to saying, oh, let's, let's get them away. Let's never talk about this again. Let's make this go away. If we make this if we want this to go away, it'll go away, when in reality it blows up in mushrooms and becomes much worse when you don't talk about it. All right, before we let you go, I want to let you in on some inside news here. I think your senior producer, Ken Laird, has now pushed the Evergreen podcast to launch, so therefore we will not have Rich Keefe on this week. You want to have Rich Keefe on because the Evergreen podcast is on? Yes, he fulfilled his what? obligations before the show to tape their Evergreen podcast, so therefore it will not be coming on with me. So I'm doing my podcast this week. Yep. Somebody who gets much higher ratings than Rich Keefe, who's a much bigger personality than Rich Keefe. I'm doing my own podcast this week, and I'm doing yours. Yep. And Rich Keefe, because he did a, 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 a lousy podcast with what, Robert Parrish? Yes, I, I heard it was I heard it was okay. That was the takeaway. Okay. That means horrific. Won't do the podcast for you? I mean, if I'm you, again, this is how I play it. I would say, okay, Rich, no problem. Fuck off. You're not on the podcast anymore. Yeah. So you, you have a mailbag this week? We have no response to that? Uh, I mean, that's not my style. I guess it's your style for sure, but that's that's just not that's not me. If he doesn't want well, to be how's on... My style, how's, how's my style working, Ryan? Not everyone has to have your style, though. I mean, uh, yes, it, it works, but it works because of your personality. I don't know if it can work with mine. Did you just ask me if I'm doing a mailbag this week? Yes. Was that your, was that your transition to get away from the topic? That was smooth. Yeah, I, that's, that's, that's why I'm in my position. Well, that is, I would say that is a typical uh, afternoon move. They fulfill their contractual obligations. That's what they should say when they start the show every hour. Dale, Holly, and Keith, we fulfill our contractual obligations. But Jerry Callahan, not one to fulfill his obligations. Correct. No, 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 no. I agree. And I think senior management should investigate that. I would do a full-scale investigation. If they find in any way he's not fulfilling his contractual obligations, then he should be, I think, stripped of any bonuses or salary. Of course, I believe my contractual obligation says I should write a column. Yes, that was my next point. When's the last time you wrote? 
Phil, uh, Phil Sims bashing, maybe? Maybe. Well, I mean, listen, I've written many things this year. I've written eulogies. I've written. You didn't even ask about Brady and I's connection with our with our moms. I thought it was forced. What was forced? You bringing yourself into the conversation. Oh, it's me talking to Tom Brady. Both of our moms have had cancer. It seems like a pretty natural conversation spot. I, I'm gonna. I think you have a different tone with Tom than you do with anybody else. Is that fair? What do you mean? Like you're, it's you know you're more laid back and not confrontational. It's very casual. Well, it's not, yeah, well, it just does, it just doesn't lend itself to confrontation. The guy's not a. Con- we, I tried it with Guerrero. The guy's just not a confrontational guy by nature. I mean, you saw the Mayweather stuff this year. It's just not what he, like. I'm with. I understand what you're saying, but yeah. if somebody's not confrontational in response, then it's like you're just you're just punching a bag, you know. So you'd have the same tone with a normal, a regular guest. Like, say, say you had another person on. I don't know. Say you had Tommy Karn on, for example, and and his God forbid, his mom died. Would you ever, you know, bring that same topic together? That's what I'm getting. At. Of course I would. Oh, of course I would. Sure I would. I mean, there's a special on Brady, Brady's mom who had cancer and how he had to go through it. I'm about Brady's age. My mom had cancer this past year, basically the same time as Brady's mom did. Uh, she passed away, and we talk once a week, and it was, it's just happened. I mean, should I just not mention it at all? I didn't think it was necessary. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't think anything's necessary, but, like, you don't understand why... why no, why I, I understand why you did it. I, I it, it makes sense to me. I just... You could have done without it. Hmm. Okay, well, I'll take that it criticism did. to... to uh... Yeah, I, I think uh, I no. think you you inserted yourself into into the equation when well, it, it wasn't necessary. What's the name? Of, what's what's the name of the show, Ryan? I, I, Kirk and Callahan. Okay, so I'm on the show and Brady's on there. I'm not supposed to enter myself in the conversations. Well, what, what did you say that Jerry's mom died this summer as well? No, but if Jerry Jerry wasn't there, if Jerry was talking to Brady, he could say the same thing. I don't think he would. That's I mean, that. That's where I think the difference is. Oh, I don't know. I mean, Jerry, I mean, I mean, unfortunately, it's very sad. Jerry's mom died. She happened not to die of. The same disease that Brady's mom, you know, had. So I don't know if he would have entered in the conversation, but I think it's one of those things. And I also think when you enter that world with Brady, you know, it's better to enter it with some sort of link or some sort of thing to get in there with, as opposed to just saying, "Hey, your mom was sick." We'll talk about that. No, I agree. He probably he definitely opened up more because of it. He even you know wished you and, and your family well. So it well, was that's, it, that's fine. But I mean, but I mean, but I mean. So if I got more out of it by doing that, didn't I do the right thing then? You did, yes and no. I think you you made it about well, yourself. Yes and no. I think you made well, no, it. No, I didn't. Yes, I think it didn't need. Listen to the question. My, what I said to him, I did. I did in this way. I said I thought of it. I always think of this now from the perspective of like the son. I mean, I don't have the perspective. Luckily for now, that my mom had or that Tom's mom or Brady's mom had, which is that they're sick. I look at it from Brady's, and if I was three thousand miles away, um, it would drive me absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. That to me is more interesting than saying, "Hey, Tom, your mom was at the game Sunday. That must have been great." That, no, that that the second question was better. I thought than the first one. Okay. Yes. Well, good enough. All right. So you, you, you uh, despite despite my dis- disagreements, I will return to this podcast next week. I appreciate that very much, Kirk. So you, unless, you, unless, unless, unless I'm talking to uh, you know Scott Wedman or somebody, then maybe I'll, I'll miss it this week. All right. So well, let's we'll promote your pod, your your own podcast. Enough about me. Do you have oh. Producer update. Do you have a producer? I believe I have a couple producers. Uh, Ken Laird is going to produce the podcast. Because he is in charge of podcasts now. <clears throat> he is. And um, and I believe we think uh, this young man, um, uh, Mike Grinnell, is going to help out as well. 
Any uh, thoughts on that? Having Ken around, I thought there was some little talk that mm-hmm. you know he might you know have loyalty to that over the show. You couldn't. Well, make I don't, fun I don't of think it. he's. Yeah, 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 I don't think he's going to be spe- uh, specifically hands on in terms of booking guests. I do not want that conflict uh, within our show where you know uh, a good guest comes on the podcast it, and it hurts the show. Like for example, today uh, I would have like to have Jen Sturger on the podcast, right? Yep. I mean, that's yep. a good get today. Yep. Uh, but would, ra- would rather have Jen Serger on the show. So I want this, want this to be the kind of thing where Ken calls me. He's like, you know what? We can have Jen Serger on in an hour. Can you get her on the phone or can you drive down there? And then it hurts. Then we don't have her on the show. We could play the sound on the show, but it's not the same. And I don't want to deal with Jerry saying you care more about the podcast than the show, saying the same thing to Ken. I mean, I think Ken is going to be there for the basics. Set it up. Make sure it sounds okay. Uh, and here we go. Where I will be, I think now, a little more hands-on in terms of uh, this booking with, with uh, Mike Grinnell, I think. Uh, is well handling that part of it. Should we expect you to cry this week? Have you got a sneak peek at the questions? I mean, I've cried. I haven't looked at the questions yet. I've cried about three times during this interview. I mean, Jesus Christ. All right, I'm leaving. All right, bye, Kirk. Goodbye. All right, Christian, we've been doing this for, I think, seven weeks now. And uh, I was just, you know, thinking to myself this past week, it seems like you get a lot more out on this podcast than you do on the Midday Show. Do you think those guys, Lou, Lou and Glenn, hold you back a little bit and maybe interrupt some of your points? Nah. <laughs> uh, Glenn, definitely. Lou, no. Lou, 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 Lou gets out of the way. So it's, uh, first of all, you know, Glenn thinks he knows more than everybody. So, uh, so no matter what you're talking about, whether it be uh, Chinese arithmetic or uh, Jack's, He's done it for a longer period of time, and he's had more success doing it. So you just kind of got to let him do his thing. Agreed. I just think, you know, ex-football player, former Patriot, you know your stuff. I think that they should give you more of a voice, especially about football. I think sometimes you get interrupted too much when you're making good points. Well, that is life in the midday show, Ryan. That is life. All right, to, to football. Uh, Stephon Gilmore hasn't played the last two weeks, and the Patriots' defense has played probably their two best games of the season. Do you think there is a correlation there? Um, well, I think last week, or actually uh, Sunday night against the Falcons, I think, uh, yeah, I think they, they played well, but I also felt like Matt Ryan and the Falcons just played like crap. I mean, I thought they were terrible. Their play selection was terrible. Their... Uh, I, and there's nothing good about it. I don't. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know how they came about that that philosophy of calling that game. But um, they, they didn't help themselves at all. Granted, the Patriots had something to do with that. You got to give them credit. Um, and the week before that, against the Jets, was it the Jets? Man, I'm like yeah, Jets. Track now. Yep. Um, you know, they still gave up a bunch of a bunch of yards, and uh, but they were good enough uh, with some help, as usual, uh, to kind of keep that team you know, um, in check. Now, you think about it, like, you know, since the last three games, I mean, the points allowed has been pretty good. And if you look at their overall yards of lo- allowed, as far as, um, you know, they've done a lot better also. And points allowed, they were like one of the worst in the NFL. Now they're 23rd. Mm-hmm. And if the Patriots and if the Jets, I'm sorry, if the Falcons don't get that last touchdown, they're 19th in the league as far as points allowed. So they're getting better. Uh, and it's showing up in, in the stats, and I can care less how many yards per game somebody gives up. I just don't want them to. It's all about points. That's really the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I guess my bigger question with defense is: what, when Gilmore is ready to come back, do you think Bill Belichick would ever not have him start and continue to go with Batamosi just because it's worked? 
no, I don't think there's enough information on Batamosi to say, oh, that guy's the answer to our problem. I think when Gilmore gets back, I mean, he's your number one corner. I don't think he's lost his job yet. Um, guys have done worse. It's not like they're going to treat him like Allen Branch or Jabal Sheard. He didn't lose his – he never got benched in the regular season. He got hurt. You know, so they still need to give him reps. They still need to give him opportunities to sh- just, you know, show that he can, you know, get the job done. And he needs to, he just needs the reps in that system. There needs to be a, you know, more of an understanding and awareness and uh, as far as what needs to happen. And, you know, he needs to be part of that defensive personality. Mm-hmm. Do you think Malcolm Butler has benefited from Gilmore being out? Maybe just the fact that he knows that he's the top cornerback on the field and just knowing that has raised his play? Because to me personally, I think Butler has had his two best games, especially against the Falcons. I think that was his best game of the year. Um, No, I don't think that him being out suddenly lit some fire under Malcolm Butler's ass. Like I don't think that's it at all. Um, I don't think anyone was playing well. I mean, listen, Butler still gives up big plays, I mean, but it's kind of just, it kind of goes with the job. Um, you're, you're playing one of the toughest positions in sports, so you're going to lose a bunch. Uh, but, but if you're consistent and if you're, you know, persistent, really, then the good plays will come around just because you're around the football and you're forcing the issue. And that's what Butler does. For every time he gets beat, there's like three great plays. Um, you know, so his recovery and his ability um, to make plays, I think, is really why you love him. I mean, and you can look at that big play against that Julio Jones had and say, "Wow, he should he should have caught that ball." But you know, it's Julio Jones. I think most corners in the NFL would have lost that battle, that physical one-on-one battle between Julio Jones. So I don't really give him a minus for that. I give him, a, okay, well, you know, you're human. You know, and the other guy isn't. Mm-hmm. I feel like overall you're down on the defense. Is that right? Do you, do you not believe in them right now? Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's at all. I just, I just feel like personality-wise, as far as personnel-wise, I mean, there's there's a lot of holes there, and I think the smart teams can take advantage of it. I mean, you know, smart teams can. Uh, Houston did. Kansas City did. Uh, the Jets, for a big part, did. Um, uh, the Falcons couldn't. They should have. The Falcons pretty much had the most offensive talent out of anybody, and they did the least. Now, blame it on their offense coordinator, blame it on you know their quarterback, whatever. There's no way they should have been that bad offensively, but they were. Um, but again, you know, the Patriots, that's why they are who they are. I think what makes their defense what gives their defense the opportunity to be good is not necessarily their defense, but the stress that their offense puts on the opposing defense, you know, the opposing offense. Like the, the opposing offense is forced to take shots, is forced to do things out of character, is forced to, you know, be unpredictable. So they get uh, they give the defense, they give the Patriots offense more opportunities because they screw up, because they do things out of character. The teams that, that don't panic and, and don't look across the sideline and try to keep up with Tom Brady and just play their scheme and everything else, those are teams that have a good chance. The teams like the Falcons that go for fourth and six, fourth and seven, and just handing them points, handing the Patriots points, and, and putting the defense in bad situations, eventually it's going to happen. Eventually you're going to get one up, even with the best call, even with the best defensive call. Mm-hmm. 
I'm I'm with you with the Falcons game plan, and to me, like you mentioned, they're probably the most talented offensive team the Patriots faced so far this season, and they just didn't have a, a good game plan. I don't know about you, but I don't understand why opponents just don't stack three wide receivers against the Patriots until they can stop it. They haven't proven it at all this season, but then ever since the Carolina game, no team has really done it, and I, I thought we were going to see it against the Falcons, but it just didn't happen. If you were facing the Patriots, would you have just stacked you know, three, three receivers and, and make the Patriots stop you? Well, I mean, it would be part of my game plan. I mean, bunches, motions to bunches, um, uh, shiftings, uh, all that stuff. Just, you know, just uh, make force them to get right. Force them to get the, to, to adjust to it, you know. And then pick the, you know, pick the, the easiest uh, matchup, really. And sometimes you don't really have to pick it. You just, you know, they just come open. They just come wide open. And uh, so, I mean, but I, I mean, I also feel like running against the Patriots out of like uh, a sub front, which is basically just like one wide receiver. I don't go the whole 22, all that whole thing. I go sub, which is basically just one back, uh, a tight end, and three wide receivers. I would run out of that. That's what I would run out of because I feel like they're forced to go small and they're forced to go light, and it takes a cover back go into play defense, and they're just not going to be as physical. So you, you should have the numbers, you should have the odds, and you should be able to run on them. I think teams should do more of that also. Mm-hmm. Last one, I'm with a two-part question. Trade deadline is next week. First one, do you think they make a trade? And number two, what position do you think they most need to upgrade via a trade? Um, yeah, I do think they do a trade, and I think it's uh, somewhere on the defensive side. Um a uh, defensive hybrid linebacker, which I think they always, they can never have enough of. Um, and uh, like, a, like a corner, another cornerback. Another yeah, cornerback? Think, yeah, well, but I think the most important position they would need if they had some sort of, you know, Kyle Van Noy, Rob Nikovich, that type of body type, you know, play different positions, play middle, play edge, play defensive end, that type of guy. Shane McClellan can do the same thing, a little lighter in the ass, but same type of deal. What do you expect this week against Chargers? Same type of deal we saw this past week with a you know a good performance, or do you see them taking a step back? Who the Chargers or the Pats? Patriots. Uh, no, I think I think the had a big game, a good game at home. You have another game at home, and after that, you have your bye week. Then I think you have like five or six on the road or something like that. It's crazy. Yep. Uh, but no, this is this is a good one because you know that after this game a nice long break so you, you lay it all out there you give your best effort because nobody wants to go into their bye week after a loss it just sucks mm-hmm. so yeah i think there's a, uh, a a higher emphasis on getting things right this week practicing well you know seeing your work and you know and just really having a good game really um because it just makes the whole next two weeks so much more any plans for your bye week uh, no, man, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out. I don't really have a, ever have a bye week, man. You know, it's every week, every weekend is football. All right, Christian, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Dude. See you. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 